This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Father God, thank you so much for our time here this evening. Lord, we're so expectant. We're expected to hear from your word. Holy Spirit, we pray you'd have your will and your way among us tonight, Lord. Speak through us. Lord, speak to us and move among us, Lord, in, in the way that only you can do. And God, we give you the praise for that in advance in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says amen. amen. If you have your Bibles, go with me to the Gospel of Luke. We've been in the Gospel of John for the past, I don't know, three or four months now. But we're going to take a little break from John and we're going to head on over to his good friend, Luke. If you're there, say, I'm there, Pastor Jay. We're going to start in chapter 2, Luke 2, which is obviously the telling of the famous Christmas story. Tonight's message is going to start in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, and then Thursday, I'm actually going to continue it. So we're going to do a little part two to this on Thursday at our candlelight service. So if you're here for that, you'll be excited. We're going to begin in verse 1. And here's what it says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house in lineage of David. Say David. David. And he was registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Verse seven. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, tonight and throughout this week, as I was praying about this message, I felt like the Holy Spirit prompted me to ask each and every one of us tonight this question. Are you ready for it? Is there room at the inn of your heart for more of Jesus? Is there room at the inn of your heart, Mike, for more of Jesus? Knowing that God wants to occupy more of our hearts and then letting him do it are two different things, aren't they? I think they are. I think that a lot of us get hung up on the how-to. Most of us who are believers, who are Christ followers, who are full of the Spirit of God, long and desire to be filled with more of him. I mean, that's my cry, and we were singing about it today. But sometimes I think, as a pastor, we get hung up on the how-to. Like, how do we make more room for Jesus at the end of our hearts. I know we believe that God should be preeminent, meaning the most important thing in person in our life. But sometimes it's my belief and conviction that our lives become too overstuffed with so many other guests that there is not enough room for Jesus there. In Luke's gospel here in chapter two, we actually see this play out quite literally. Mary and Joseph have come to the inn at Bethlehem. Have you guys read this story before? Are you familiar with it at least? Okay, good. Mary, of course, is ready with child. She's literally bursting at the seams with the presence of God. Could you imagine with me, ladies, for those of you that have 
had children, what it would be like to be carrying the son of God. Could you imagine perhaps the intensity of that? Maybe some of the anxiety and the nerves and the stress and the, ooh, the urgency of knowing that you carry God. I think that just sounds crazy. And I imagine for Mary, it had to seem crazy knowing because we know that the angel came and appeared to her and told her that she would be with child and told Joseph that the Holy Spirit would come upon her and that she would conceive and be a child and that that child would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. But still, I could imagine that in her natural mind, right, like yours and mine, that she may have wrestled with the implications of what that would look like. Perhaps even what Jesus would look like. Would he even look human? Those are kind of the questions I would have had. Like, is he going to come out looking like me? Is he going to come out looking like somebody else? Like, what's that going to happen? What's that going to look like? And how's that going to happen? And so Mary's here and she's with Joseph and we know that they've come to the inn and yet there's no room for them at the inn. The inn was so overtaken by so many guests that there was no room for Jesus. And because I believe the Bible is not just a book about them, but ultimately a book about us and a story to us, I wonder once again, what guests might have we allowed to crowd the end of our hearts? Anxiety? Anybody wrestle with that one? Stress? How about worry or doubt? How about disappointment? How about busyness? Any of you uh, getting ready for Christmas and you find yourself feeling overwhelmed by feelings of busyness? I, I don't get on Facebook anymore, but I'm on Instagram and I see some of your posts and I see some of the, the running around of, of uh, parties and the last minute trips to the store for you parents who are getting ready to wrap pre presents and gifts for all your kids. Uh, how many of you guys are early gift buyers where you just get all your gift stuff done in September? Okay, a couple hands. How many of you like to wait to the last minute? We're talking like today, tomorrow, Christmas Eve. The truth is, I think a lot of our lives have become so busy and maybe it's not parties and maybe it's not buying gifts for kids or friends or loved ones, but maybe it's work. Maybe it's the everyday pressures that amount. And I know a lot of you and I know most of your stories and I know a lot of what you guys all face on a, on a daily basis. And I believe this, that what occupies and what possesses our heart most will command our attention. And what commands our attention will receive our worship. Can I say it this way? What we treasure in our hearts, we will make room for. And what we make room for, we will worship. Now, you guys know that I love worship. You know, I'm passionate about worship. And not just what we do when we sing and when we express our worship through song, but just worship in general, thinking about the ways in which Christ has my heart. And I think that if we are not careful, we can allow all these other, let's call them temporary guests to become residents who live with us permanently. But the invitation of Christmas is that you and I would not just receive Jesus once, but that we would receive him each and every day. Because the truth is this, he wants to live and abide in us each and every day through the power and presence of his Holy Spirit. When Jesus left the earth, he said this. He said, it's good 
for me to go. In fact, it's not good for me to stay. I know some of you want to hold on to me, but unless I go, I cannot send who? The Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Advocate, the Paraclete. I can't send him to come and fill you. Because you see, Jesus could only be in one place at one time, but the Holy Spirit can be in many places at one time. And in the most important places that he wants to be, right here. We're singing about it tonight. In our temple. Let your spirit fill the temple. Let your spirit flood the earth. That's the heartbeat of Christ for us, that we would have him living in us. It's always been the heartbeat of God. Not that he should live in temples built by human hands, but that he would live in human hearts. So I wonder, have you made room for him there? Or have you just sequestered a little room, (laughs) a little cot in the corner? Now, Jesus, you stay over there. I'll give you the pullout sofa, but don't you go snooping around my kitchen. I got stuff where I like it. Any of you guys like to cook? My wife tells me this all the time. Don't come in my kitchen. I got things right where they're supposed to be. And I said, I've learned the hard way, right? She's like, I know exactly where everything is. It's all laid out. Don't mess with my stuff. But sometimes I think if we're not careful, we tell Jesus the same thing. Don't come in here and reorganize and rearrange and mess with our stuff because we like it the way we have it. But I wonder if we might be able to make more room for Jesus. Here's the good news. Temporary guests can always be kicked out. Now, some of you who've got in-laws and family coming and those that are troublemakers, uh, don't do this. Don't kick them out. But anxiety and depression and despair, disappointment, and doubt are temporary guests that can be kicked out at any moment. And I wonder if Christ might be inviting you this Christmas and inviting me to kick out some of those guests that like to wear out their welcome, that like to stay just a little too long. I want to give you permission this Christmas to kick out some of these temporary guests and to make more room for Jesus. The good news of Christmas is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, God wrapped in flesh, the perfect gift of God in bodily form. And then, of course, he lived and he died and he rose again. And then he ascended to be with the Father. And then he didn't leave us alone. He sent us the Holy Spirit with the purpose that we would be filled with his presence and nature and the idea is that this would be an ongoing, everyday reality for you and for me. No matter how bad you messed up yesterday, guess what? He still wants to live in you. He still wants to make your heart his home. No matter how much you thought you screwed up, he still wants to do life with you. He's still expecting and eager to greet you every time you wake up. I like to wake my kids up in the morning. I like to be the first one to do it because I like for them to see me standing over their bed, eager and excited with a smile. Now, partially this is because I'm a little bit of a morning person, Candace not so much. So I get called on to do all the driving. Well, not all the driving, but a lot of the driving. And I love to just stand over their bed and say, it's time to wake up, kids. Who's ready for school? And then what, of course, what do I get? I get these grumpy faces, these looks like, dad, get out of here. I don't think I got any early risers. I think it's all 
children that like to sleep until noon if I let them. My daughter's getting ready to turn 14, so she's kind of at that teenage stage. You guys remember it, for those of you that have kids, where they like to just sleep in. I can remember a day when I, as a teenager, slept into 2 p.m. And I could probably do that now from just weariness, but the power that compels my daughter and my kids to sleep is amazing. But I love to wake them up in the morning and I love to be standing there at their bed and greeting them. And, and sometimes I'll do a, you know, what I like to do and I'll, I'll stroke their hair a little bit and I'll say, hey guys, and I'll pray with them. And sometimes if they're not moving, I'll be like, all right, flip the switch up and down and turn the fan on and yeah. But I love to meet them in the morning and I believe that our heavenly father is the same. He, he loves to greet us each and every morning. And I wonder if this Christmas we might be making more room for him there so that what we treasure in our hearts for, we make room for. I believe that he wants to go on doing this each and every day. Why? Because God wants your heart and he wants my heart to be his home. I like the way Paul, the Apostle Paul says it in Ephesians chapter three, verses 16 through 17. In the NLT, here's what it says. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Don't you guys just love that? Oh, I love this prayer. Then, then, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. So that, here's the promise your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. That's the picture of what God wants to do each and every day in your life and in mine. I wonder, are we making room for him to do it? Are we making room for Jesus? So today I want to do this. I want to look at three practical ways that I think we can make more room for Jesus in our lives. I want to help us with a little how-to here. Are you guys okay with that? Well, good, because I'm going to do it anyways. All right, here we go. Number one, we make room for stillness. This sometimes means saying no to people. How many of you would consider yourselves to be people pleasers? How many of you, it's really hard for you to say no to people? Some of you? All right, take it from another recovering people pleaser. The best words that you can learn in life are sometimes no. And thank you. <laughs> I've learned this the hard way. Because here's what happens, guys. When we say yes to everything else, we say no to Jesus. We say no to more time with him. And we say yes to all the people and all the things and all the parties and all the stuff. But when we make room for stillness, when we make room to be quiet and alone with God, that's where I believe God inhabits those spaces in our lives. Learning to say no does this. It provides you with margin. And that margin is room or space within your life and relationships to be with God, to spend time with him in prayer, to get in his word, to open this up, not just once a year or once a month or once a week, but every day, and to be silent before him. One of the best practices that I believe that we can put into motion is this, is just to be still in the presence of God. To just carve out time for stillness, where you're just able to be quiet and alone. 
You guys know, uh, for those of you that were following some of my stories the other day on Instagram, uh, the last couple of weeks, I was able to get away with Candace. It was her 40th birthday, and we were able to go to Napa Valley, California. It was beautiful. We just had a beautiful time, and, and this is what we did. We just made room for stillness. We didn't do any crazy activities. I didn't take her skydiving or on a hot air balloon, or we didn't go kayaking or anything crazy. We just literally sat in cozy rooms near fires and looked into each other's eyes and were still. And sometimes I think that's the invitation that the Father is extending to us. I just want to see you. I just want to be with you in the stillness. The hard part is that our lives are so overcrowded that we don't always have room for stillness. So I think this is a practical way, you guys, that we can practice this, that we can make more room for Jesus by becoming still. And I know that this can be difficult. One of the things that we've been doing lately in my home is turning off the cell phones and putting them in boxes and then picking them up the next day. We actually told our kids this about a year ago. There's no longer any devices welcome at the dinner table. Now that was difficult the first time we did it. It was really hard because we're like, what do we do with our hands? (laughs) We're just sitting there like, what do we do with these things? But after a while, it's amazing how that margin, that room that we were making for the family led to moments of joy and laughter and getting to know each other and conversations and and then I started to do that with friends. We'd, we'd go out with our friends for dinner and we'd say, okay, let's, let's establish some ground rules. Everyone's got to put their phone away. No one can bring their phone out all dinner long. Could you imagine that? Yeah, some of you Gen Zers. All dinner long? All dinner long. Put your phone away. It will be hard at first. You can do this, Sam. You can do this, Maddie. You can do this, Riley. You can do this, Lori. Right? because it's not just about you, some of you younger ones, it's all of us, but we can make room for this. And when we do, it's amazing what happens in the stillness. God fills it with himself. He fills it with his presence, with his presence. It allows God a place in your life that nobody else can interfere, interfere with because it's holy, it's hallowed. It's sacred. It's consecrated unto God, meaning it has a special and unique purpose that is only belonging to God. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 46, verse 10. I like the message paraphrase. I like the way Eugene Peterson says this. He says this, step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God above politics and above everything. Man, we could use a good dosage of that right now. The world could use a big dosage of that right now. Our nation could use a big dose of that right now. Step out of the traffic. Step out of Facebook and social media and CNN and Fox News and take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above it all, above everything. So we make room for stillness and hence make room for Jesus. Number two. One of the ways that we can make more room for Jesus is by making room for thanks, for the giving of thanks. This sometimes means saying no to more stuff. And what better time than Christmas to talk about the more. Each and every one of us is inundated right now with emails and notifications and Amazon carts that we put all of our wish lists into 
weeks and months and days ago and forgot about. Do you guys ever get those email notifications when you were like shopping for something online and you stepped away for a moment and all of a sudden you get an email to your inbox saying, we noticed you didn't finish your shopping experience with us. I can't even walk away from my shopping cart without somebody following me home. At least if I go to Smith's and I leave my stuff there, I'm hoping at least no one's going to trail me into the parking lot. But nowadays, we just get inundated with more, with more stuff, the need to buy more. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with buying gifts for your friends and family and loved ones, but what if next time you and I go to pull out that credit card to swipe that thing that we think is going to bring us happiness and fulfillment from people that don't really care about us, what if instead of that, we took the time to give thanks for what God has already given to us. You and I both know that we are blessed. We are so blessed living in this nation as a people. We are so blessed. We have so much to be thankful for. But I wonder, are we making room for thanks, for the giving of thanks? Part of the problem is that we are so obsessed with the next thing that we neglect being thankful for what we already have. One of the practices that I began to put into practice a couple years ago was not rushing out to buy the new thing just because it's the new thing. I like my iPhone. I was going to grab it. I like my iPhone, and it was really hard to not upgrade to the new one. You guys seen this new iPhone 13 Pro with the giant mega cameras on this thing now? Yeah, yeah. Dave's got one showing off over here. You see this thing? It's enormous. It's like big old telescopic lens coming off of it. Beautiful pictures, beautiful cinematics, beautiful video. And there's nothing wrong with buying a new phone if you need one. But what if instead of a phone or a watch or a purse or the next thing, we gave thanks for what God's already given us? We said no to more stuff and we said yes to more of God, more of him, more margin to be generous so that we could be a blessing to others. That's what Christmas is about anyways, isn't it? The gift of giving, the gift of being able to give, to be generous. I might be preaching to myself a little bit here, but I suspect that if we could make room for giving thanks and being more thankful, we would find God more at work within us. We'd find ourselves more content and we'd see God more glorified in our midst. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. In the NLT, it says, all of this is for your benefit and as God's grace, say his grace, as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be what? Great thanksgiving. And what will happen? God will receive more and more glory. It's the heartbeat of this church that God would be glorified in all that we do. I wonder if that's your heartbeat, that God would be glorified in your life, that God would be glorified in the way that you give thanks and the way that you give and the way that you're generous. So number two, we make room for more of Jesus by making room for Thanksgiving. And then finally, number three, we make room for celebration. I love this one because this always means saying yes to joy. I said it last week, but joy is a choice. Happiness is based on what happens to you, hence the word happenstance. But joy is a choice. You and I get to choose joy each and every day by making room to celebrate. 
Now, one of the things that I love about Christmas, Christmas is my favorite holiday of the year because it's such a wondrous time of celebration, but it's also a time where we, yes, shut down for a couple weeks and make room for celebration by saying yes to joy. I love the lights. I love the trees. I love the decor. I love the cookies. I love the colors. I love the feeling. I love all the old music. My mom grew up as a, as a young woman in the age of the big band music of the 30s and 40s. Her parents were very involved in the Benny Goodman. Uh, if you, now, now we're really going back. But the whole Benny Goodman big band scene. And so she grew up as a child in the 50s and 60s hearing the big band music of the 30s and 40s and all the songs and all of the, just the, the hoopla and wonder and fun of Christmas. And so as a kid, I heard her singing show tunes and musicals and Christmas songs. And I was inundated at a very young age with the music of Christmas. But you know what it really did? It sowed seeds of joy. It sowed seeds of, of expectation and eagerness and excitement to do what? to celebrate, to find a reason to celebrate. And here's the thing, guys, we shouldn't need a reason to celebrate, but sometimes we need to intentionally make the decision to celebrate. As Americans, we work so hard and we know how to party, but celebration is different. Partying, anybody can throw a party, but to celebrate means to intentionally look for opportunities to choose joy by celebrating all of life as a gift. By seeing the gift of God, his grace, his love, his mercy, his presence. No, not P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, although I'm thankful for those, but his P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, say that 10 times fast. His presence. We have so much to be thankful for and to celebrate. And one of the reasons we're here tonight is because as a church, we value coming together corporately to celebrate to celebrate the person and presence of Jesus, to celebrate the, the wonder of his word and what it means when we come together as the fellowship, as the body of Christ, as his koinonia, as his ecclesia, as his called out ones, to celebrate, to make room for celebration, to make room for joy. The point I'm trying to make very emphatically, if you haven't figured it out, is that we need to celebrate. So here is your permission slip class, celebrate. Don't get so caught up in the partying that you forget to celebrate, that you forget to really enjoy being with the people that matter most to you, whether it's your family or extended family or spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend, or even this body. Celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. It's why the writer of James, the book of James, could boldly look you in the face and have the audacity to look me in the face in chapter one, verses two through four, and say this. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Here's what happens typically. When troubles of any kind come our way, we consider it an opportunity for great complaining. <laughs> oh, did you hear what happened at work this week? Oh, not again. I just, I just can't deal with it is what I hear my kids say now. Oh, I just can't even deal with that. Like, can't even deal with that. You're 10. <laughs> can't deal with it. But isn't that what happens? Slowly we get tempted and kind of seduced into complaining when what 
does the word of God tell us to do? What does the Holy Spirit tell us to do? Consider it an opportunity for joy, to celebrate. For, here's the reason. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect. The word meaning not lacking anything and complete, needing nothing. The reason many of us are troubled and frustrated and disappointed and anxious and worrying, you know, all those temporary guests we talked about at the beginning of the message, the reason we get caught up in all that is because we haven't realized that they are just opportunities for joy. Opportunities to rejoice in the fact that God's doing a work in us. And in the last 18 months, hasn't he done a work in us? Am I talking to anybody tonight who's had God do some work in you? Or maybe he's still doing it. Some of you are like, no, I ain't over that hump yet, Pastor Jay. I'm still going through it. Can I encourage you? Rejoice. Because your faith is being tested so that your endurance has a chance to grow. God's building muscle in you. He's developing your character. He's, in, he's developing your integrity. He's helping you learn how to endure and be long-suffering. You know, all those fruits of the Spirit that we don't like to talk about a whole lot. We love the love part. But what about the long-suffering? This is when it comes, you guys, when we rejoice despite the troubles that we face, despite whatever hardships come our way. So in wrapping up, here's my encouragement for you guys as we land this plane tonight. Make more room for Jesus by making room for stillness. Get quiet before the Lord. Making more room for thanksgiving. Be thankful. Embody a spirit of thanks. And then, of course, making room to celebrate, to look for opportunities to choose joy. You guys received that tonight? Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.